0: So I was watching the news last night and then I was listening to a podcast a little bit later and they both spoke about the same thing in a way that just pissed me off. Like it literally did and I thought I have to talk about this on my next episode. And it has to do with people's understanding of a situation from a different Person's perspective. And I think a lot of us, and I'm sure including me, I'm not perfect, don't realize that if you have a different upbringing, if you lived in a different way, your socioeconomic background, all of these things, your race, your sex, your just anything that you experience is going to change your perception and how you proceed in life. And the stuff that I heard on the radio and this podcast, just, I was like, come on. Can you think outside of your own understanding? So that's what we're gonna talk about today. I'm gonna explain it all. It's about these two very, well, three very popular people, famous worldwide, and I think you'll know their names. And I'm curious to see if you're a little bit annoyed or as annoyed as I am. Let's get into it. Big time small talk. Welcome to Big Time Small Talk, stories and observations beyond small talk. I am your host, Jody Rollins, and we're taking a break from the baby stuff because I still want to keep, you know, all viewers entertained and tuned in. I mean, I'm going to still talk baby stuff, right? I'm super excited. It's been overwhelming, but full of joy. I got to see her sonogram, a 3D sonogram a couple days ago and I could see her little face and her little oh so I just want to just kiss her cheeks, but she's not out of the oven yet. So I <sighs> can't wait. But anyway, I wanted to talk about something else and by the way, I will be continuing the third and most likely conclusion, maybe there might even be a fourth cuz I got a lot to say. Um, about my adoption journey and it'll be an ongoing thing like what it's like because I've had so many people write me thank you so much for writing me um, with questions they they're curious about how adoption works and all of that so I'm at least going to conclude the main story in a third maybe fourth episode so the third one will be next week for sure um and also, I, uh, if you haven't clicked subscribe, I usually mention that later in the show, but I think I might start mentioning that stuff now, just so you don't miss out on this important business. Please, please, please click subscribe and follow me on Instagram at Jody Rollins J-O-D-I-R-O-L-L-I-N-S. Looks like roll, but it is raw. <laughs> and uh, that way I can just, the more I grow my Instagram following, the more I can grow the show. And the more I can grow the show, the more I have access to for you guys. And it's all about um, my passion for the medium of talk. So this is what I really, really enjoy doing. You can also follow me on Twitter or, uh, well, at Jody's Box, and I've mentioned this before, that's a lot of Big Brother fans, so that's mostly what I talk about there. If you're not interested in Big Brother, eh, you might not wanna follow me on Twitter. If you wanna write the show, you can write me at BigTimeSmallTalkPodcast at gmail.com. I'm happy to hear from you, questions, comments, concerns, what have you. If you want to leave a voicemail for the show, and I love those, you just click on the show notes of any episode, And it'll say, and you scroll down to the bottom, there's a link at the bottom of the show notes and it says, leave a voice message. And you do that right through your phone. You don't have to make a phone call. It's just you click a button and it starts to record. And some of those messages I play on the show, most of them I don't, but thank you for those who leave me those incredible messages. And if you want to support the show financially, you can do that the same way. You just click into the show notes, scroll down to the bottom, and there is a link that says, support this show and you can choose 99 cents a month for 99 or 9.99 your choice thank you to my latest contributor marcy i really 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 appreciate it that's so nice i mean it's very easy to just listen to podcasts for free because you're like they're free why should i pay you know but every little bit helps this is what i want to do like i'm in it for the long haul Um, This is part of my job. I get paid to do this, not very much, but this is what I'm really focusing on, what I care about and I'm invested in and I plan on doing it for many, many years. So every little bit helps. So thank you for those of you who do subscribe. Thank you to those of you who do financially support the show and thank you for listening. If you're a first time listener or a loyalist or anything in between, I, I, from the bottom of my heart, I'm glad that I'm not just sitting here talking to myself because I'm in a room by myself. I may as well be in some ways, but I always check the stats and I'm like, yay, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people are listening. I would love to be thousands and thousands, but we're over, uh, we're almost 4,000 downloads all told, but each week, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of you listen. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, One thing I did also want to mention before we get started with the show, which is kind of a fun bit of uh, news or tidbit, is uh, I was looking at the analytics of the show and I've talked about the countries that this show is actually listened to in, but I haven't talked about them in a while. In the beginning, I was like, hey, we added three countries and now it's been seven countries and nine countries. Well, now I think I'm up to 24 countries. People are listening to this show all over the world. I'm gobsmacked, that's so incredible. Thank you, wherever you are listening, thank you. Listen to these countries, I just wanna list them off real quick for you. Of course, the United States, number one in listenership, followed by Canada, Germany, Sweden, the UK, India, France, Australia, Trinidad and Tobago, New Zealand, South Korea, Singapore, Austria, Estonia, Israel, I, Israel, Ireland, Kuwait, Colombia, Taiwan, Denmark, Belgium, Croatia, and the latest arrival, Greece. I mean, that's pretty impressive if I say so myself. It's weird to think that people from all over the world are listening to little old me, but I am beyond grateful because this is something, even when I was a kid, for those of you who haven't listened for very long, when I was a kid, I would just walk around with my tape recorder and make shows. I would interview my brother, I would put my record player down, and I have another record player, and I'd have like bumper music where you fade the music in and out. I had sound effects, I would be the guest, but then I'd also be the host, and then I'd make up commercials that would be in between the shows, and some of those I still have. Actually, I've promised that when I hit my 100th episode that I will play some of those. I think I have one from when I was 13, and it's really bad and embarrassing, but it's cute. And it's weird to hear your accent and how you sounded when you were 13. I'm like, I sounded like I'm from the 1950s. Very sort of innocent, different than I sound now. It's funny. But I will play that for you guys. All that being said, I've always loved to talk. And the idea of doing a show, and I worked in talk radio as a producer. I had my own talk radio show back in 2012 for two years. So this isn't something I just picked up. This is something I truly care about all right so don't forget to subscribe don't forget to click five stars wherever you can apple podcasts and leave a written review please 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 that makes all the difference in the world as to whether or not somebody actually listens to the show because they will read those reviews and go Meh, maybe not or Ooh, okay that sounds interesting just take two minutes out of your day click those five stars and leave a written review that's all i ask okay thank you So, the business is out of the way. Let's get into the real stuff. So, last night, I, like I said, I was listening to this podcast and I heard something on the news and it was about Naomi Osaka. That was the first part. And for those of you who don't know, Naomi Osaka is a, I guess, world famous tennis player. I don't follow tennis, so I don't know the stats or how to refer to somebody world class. And she is half Japanese and half black, I believe raised in the United States. So she's an American, I think. (laughs) And several weeks ago or months ago, she was supposed to have a press conference. And I don't know all the details, but she basically canceled the press conference because she said she had been dealing with anxiety and it's just a lot because if I've seen those press conferences they sit them up there and it's like they're on the chopping block and people pepper them with it well what's wrong with your backswing well why did that happen why do you think you lost do you think you'll lose again like I mean those are tough questions and she's like I think what 23 years old something like that and then I think she may have cancelled something else or postponed something else And all of this press and all of this media just blew up, like, oh, is she a prima donna? It's part of her job. She's supposed to do all of this press, but she's too good for that. Like, everyone and his brother just laid in on this girl. And I was like, well, we don't know what is going on in her world or in her life. We are not her. Why is the assumption that she's a diva, or a control freak, or self-involved—why? And I—they have a Netflix documentary all about her life, so I tuned into it. It was quite boring, actually. I did not finish it. It—I mean, you guys know me. I love uh, documentaries, but this one I could not get through because it was boring and. God bless her. She's just not the most interesting person. I, I don't think like her story is relatively interesting, but she's very low energy. And, you know, I, I'm, I, I want to win this competition next. And, you know, once I win that one, I want to win the next one. And it's hard because I'm alone a lot like it was that. But you know, she seems like a decent person, whatever. I don't know. But the thing is, she talks about her anxiety in this documentary. And she I think she got a new house and she couldn't really even sleep because it didn't feel like her house, like she didn't sleep at all or something along those lines. And I was thinking about how, as somebody who deals with anxiety, unless you have it, you have no idea what it is actually like. And I don't have the kind of anxiety where if I had to be, you know, peppered with questions that I couldn't stand it or couldn't deal with it I don't have like social anxiety in that respect mine is all self-inflicted <laughs> my brain works against me sometimes but that's her issue right that is her problem and so what I started to hear for example Megan Kelly Megan Kelly of Fox News which she's a really talented I can separate my feelings for her and that station and say, I think she was a really talented broadcaster and journalist. I think she is. And I think she's beautiful on the outside, but she's a nasty person. Because I think that if you, for no reason, go online and you have millions of followers like she does, and you pick on a 23 year old girl about whether or not they have anxiety, something's wrong with you. Like, what in your life is missing that you as a journalist who got some $60 million to go away from NBC because her show failed and she got bought out of her contract? Six zero million. What makes you go on to Twitter Even though no one's talking about you, you're not being interviewed about Osaka, nobody asked you about Osaka, you just decide, let me pick up my phone and make fun of her because she appeared on the cover of Vogue magazine and because she has a documentary out. What Megyn Kelly basically said was like, oh, Well, apparently, (laughs) you can be on a cover of a magazine and do a documentary, but being in the press is just too difficult for you because you have anxiety. And I'm just, I was floored. Floored. And in fact, I have it right here in front of me, all this information. There's an article that explains everything. It just floored. So um, apparently, more more specifically, Osaka had basically said that she's too inter- introverted to talk to the media after tennis matches. And um, I guess she withdrew from Wimbledon, Wimbledon at a certain point and the French Open. And so it's almost like she's not allowed to have emotions or feelings. She's just supposed to play tennis and shut up. And so, um, even though she feels all of this anxiety, I guess later. Let's see. It says later that same year, Osaka launched a reality TV show, um, a Barbie doll, and then she's on the cover actually of Sports, Illust- uh, Sports, uh, Sports Illustrated, the swimsuit issue. So not Vogue. And so this is the tweet from Kelly. She says, "Let's not forget that the co- let's not forget the cover of." Um, Vogue, Japan and Time magazine. And then, um, Osaka responds in a tweet. She says, seeing as you're a journalist, I would have assumed, I would have assumed you would take the time to research what led, what, sorry, it's morning, what the lead times are for magazines. If you did that, you would have found out I shot all of my covers last year instead your first reaction is to hop on here and spew negativity do better megan so and it says the 23 year old tennis champ appeared to block megan kelly after that and um, then kelly says osaka blocked me while taking a shot at me she apparently she is apparently arguing that she shot her many covers before publicly claiming she was too socially anxious to deal with press. Truth is, she doesn't like questions. She can't control. Admit it. I'm just like, we don't know anybody's experience. None of us. We know the people that we're close to And that's it. And even sometimes those, you know, we all you all hear about like marriages where somebody's been cheating for 15 years and the wife never knew, not the ones that are in denial, but like never knew because the husband had like a second family and kids because he was a truck driver and like spent time with both families. Like some people you don't even know if you're married to them. But the idea, the audacity of Megyn Kelly to assume she knows what's inside of somebody, Here's the thing about anxiety, it's not logical. Because if it were logical, none of us would have it. It's not logical to be afraid or anxious about things that don't need to make you afraid or anxious. You know, public speaking is one of the number one fears in this country. And I do public speaking for a living. I do motivational speaking, I do events. I'm not scared at all. But millions of people are afraid to do any kind of public speaking and imagine me easy them it's difficult so really and truly is there anything logical about being afraid are you going to be killed on stage are people going to shoot bows and arrows at you is there going to be a bomb where you blow up do you have to do it naked just like the dreams that a lot of people have you have to do a public speech naked none of that's going to happen You're just going to talk to a bunch of people. Maybe you have notes, maybe you don't, but you're probably going to be okay. It's not logical that we have anxiety about it. It's just what happens. It's not logical for people to have panic attacks. It's just what happens. And you can't control it. You can work on controlling it. And again, I don't know what type of specific anxiety Osaka has. But if it's bad enough where she's like, look, I'm, I'm withdrawing from this and this, and I don't wanna do that, why is our assumption negative? Why is our assumption that she is like a spoiled brat? I think that we need to be able to think outside of our own experience. You can have a Barbie doll and still have anxiety. If you do a documentary, it is very intimate. A lot of times the producers really and truly are sort of courting you because they want you to feel really comfortable so that you'll talk and that you'll share all sorts of information, personal information about yourself, that you will open the door to your life. So a lot of times with documentaries, it's like two camera people you know, in your house and like a main producer and then some grips and people who control like lifting cords and setting up lighting and maybe a secondary producer. So it's a very small, intimate setting. You're at your house, you have a schedule, you know when they're gonna shoot, you can sort of plan, you can be prepared. You're like, okay, so tomorrow's shooting schedule, I'm shooting from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. They really want me to talk about my childhood. And so she can prepare. That's different. And we don't know that she doesn't have anxiety with that as well, but maybe it's manageable. God forbid if she said, oh, I was going to do a documentary, but I'm going to pull myself out of it, then they would say she's a complete spoiled brat. Having a Barbie doll doesn't bring her like direct attention other than people asking about it. That's a beautiful thing. I don't know about you, but I can't remember the last time I saw a half black and half Asian Barbie doll. I don't know if there is one. That's a beautiful thing for little girls out there who are black and Asian to be able to play with a doll that looks like themselves. How is that a bad thing? And if she's on the cover of a magazine, she's not talking. She just puts on the swimsuit, looks cute, and they take pictures. Anxiety is cunning and it works in different ways on different people. And you can still want attention. You can still crave it. You can still enjoy tennis but you can be completely overwhelmed with a press conference. And I just, it, it saddens me that Megyn Kelly and the Megyn Kellys are so small-minded that they go, but if I were, but you're not them. Megyn Kelly, you are on television for a living. You don't know social anxiety. Millions and millions and millions of people watch Fox News and she was on there for years. She doesn't know what it's like to have that kind of anxiety. Everyone deals with anxiety differently. And the podcast that I was listening to this guy, it was just like, well, okay, you can do, you know, a documentary and be on the cover. Like, I just think it's a publicity stunt. She just wants to get more famous. Who wants to make themselves look mentally unbalanced to get famous? The assumption that that's what people do is, again, close-minded. It's like it's the easiest, it's the low-hanging fruit. Just like when two women don't get along, they just go, well, she's jealous. Yeah, sometimes that could be the thing. But if you really look at the situation, maybe girl A reminds girl B of a sister that she didn't get along with. Or maybe girl A is too insecure and she's intimidated. There's all kinds of things, but it's the simplest, easiest, common denominator to just say, oh, two women, she's jealous. And it's easy to look at Naomi Osaka and go, oh, publicity stunt. Oh, crybaby, spoiled brat. And at the same time, This society is quick to say, mental illness, hashtag mental illness day, month, week, year, whatever. Mental illness matters. Remove the stigma, support people. This is what mental illness looks like. Severe anxiety is mental illness. And when somebody actually comes forth and tells the truth, and we have no reason to believe she's not telling the truth and says, look, I have anxiety. This is really hard for me. I need to take care of myself. I need to practice good self-care. People jump down their throat and the media turns against them. Would they rather have it that she starts popping oxycodone and Xanax, benzos, starts drinking, smoking pot and they're like, oh my God, Naomi Osaka's out of control, dancing on tables and bars. Because it seems like that's what they want, you know, they would rather have some obnoxious, drunk, high, out of control person, as long as she does press conferences, who's now self medicating instead of taking care of themselves. I can't stand the double standard, the the uh, what's the word I'm looking for, the hypocrisy, because everybody and his brother in the last, probably the last five to six years has really been pushing mental health, mental health, mental health, all these school shootings, right? Thank God, knock on wood, we haven't had as many. I, I don't know if we've had any since COVID, but they always talk about mental health, mental health, mental health. People need to speak out. People need to, you know, if you're feeling upset, if you're feeling depression, if you're feeling anxiety, get help, deal with it. But just don't do it in a way that we don't like. What the hell? These are people who do not understand any kind of mental illness. And again, the fact that you are a 50-something-year-old woman or 40-something-year-old woman, Megan Kelly, and you wanna pick on a 23-year-old, I just don't get it. And she goes on, and there were like more snide remarks, and she's kinda like, oh, like, really? You are a mean girl. You're a mean girl if that's who you are, if that's what you do in your spare time. It's disgusting. And there's another couple that gets the same treatment in the exact same way for almost the exact same problem. And you know this couple very, very well. And I wanna talk about this couple and what made me angry about this one as well, coming up right after the break. Stay with me. Welcome back to Big Time Small Talk. Okay. So if the Naomi Osaka thing wasn't bad enough or annoying enough, and I think for me, it's, it's not about specifically her, by the way. It's about what our society is saying about mental illness about women taking care of themselves about people taking care like taking care of yourself isn't just brushing your teeth and washing your hair and taking a shower and making sure you eat right it's also about taking care of your mental health like if you work at a job where your boss is crapping all over you all the time and you're just in fights with him or her, and it's it's making you miserable, and you're like, well, it's good money. I just should put up with it. That's not taking self care. If you know there's another job you could get. Now sometimes we're stuck. We have to work those jobs. You know, you got to do what you got to do to put food on the table. But other times, you can really just practice good self care and do what you need to do. If that means quitting your job or breaking up with a boyfriend or girlfriend or getting out of some kind of relationship that's toxic. We don't just stick with things because we've already been invested. I mean, we've all made those mistakes. You put up with a crappy relationship or you know, a friend who's not reliable or supportive and you support them all the time and all they do is take, 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 take. I'm sure we've all done that, I know I have. <laughs> but ideally, you take care of yourself and you treat yourself with the most kindness that you can and when it comes to being on the world's stage at 23 I mean she's been playing tennis for god knows how long like a little kid we have no idea what that's like to try to manage and there's also jealousy mixed in because I think a lot of people are like well she she makes millions of dollars from this she can't freaking sit at a table and answer questions you brat it's as if money pays for everything, like there's no more problems, there's no more issues. You should just be thankful for what you have and be perfect because you're rich, therefore you have no issues. Well, duh, that's not true. We see that with all these celebrities who end up having overdoses because they have unhappy, miserable lives. Oscar winners, Grammy winners, you know, big time pop stars and movie stars, writers. We've all seen it, the 27 Club. All these famous, famous people who died at 27 of like drug overdoses. Had all the money in the world. But they didn't practice good self-care. So to me, good for her for standing up. And some people are like, she's lying. If she's lying, then that's something she has to face. That's who she has to be. And she has to look herself in the mirror. And so if she's just like, oh, I don't like press conferences. And I'll just say it's social anxiety. But I tell you, if you watch her documentary, and again, I only watched, uh, I don't know, maybe 45 minutes, plus or minus. I believe her. If you watch that, she has a lot of anxiety and she talks about it and she's very kind of low energy and it's it's she seemed very overwhelmed to me. So I believe her. And even if I didn't, I wouldn't go on to a social media site and pick on her. I just wouldn't. I wouldn't even come on here and do a podcast about it. Now, another couple that's in the same, almost identical position, Harry and, oh my God, what's her name? I almost called her Margaret. <laughs> Harry and Margaret, Harry and Megan, Harry and Megan, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. They were despised and ridiculed and ripped up and torn down, you know, by... The British press. And it was so bad about her race, about interracial couple, about her baby, about their relationship, about life, about her clothes, about every single thing. They were nitpicked. They lived their life, not even like under a microscope, but like in a petri dish. Because everything they did was watched and controlled and contrived from the the royal family, you know the way that that's even structured, the whole higher um, aristocracy, everything. And so they left and came to the United States, and now they live here in California. And people are mad because they're saying oh well you said you were exploited and there was too much attention in the press and then you did an oprah inter- interview and now you still don't want attention and now harry's writing a book but you don't want attention and you guys have a production company and you did a show but you don't want attention oops sorry about that hit my little microphone thing why can't people see that first of all in this case With British news, it is like a special kind of pointed. Like they really point, they really like get in there. It's like, it's nasty. Like American press, when they go after you is bad, but Brits don't hold back. They just pummel you. And that's a known thing. So right off the bat, as soon as they get to the United States, Americans don't care as much about the British. Americans don't care as much about the royals, sorry to my British listeners, but they care, but not nearly as much as you do, rightfully so, right? You know, They're not from here, well, Meghan is. And I constantly was hearing all of these things in the news like, oh God, we don't want attention, but we wanna write a book. Oh God, Meghan thinks that she got so much attention, she was dealing with suicidal ideations, but now she's on an Oprah interview? But the thing is, those things are not mutually exclusive. Because again, once you come here, our press is a lot nicer and a lot better. Better in the sense that they don't harp you in the same way that the British press does. Of course, the paparazzi and all of that, that's gonna be out there, but it's not the same. They've talked about it. You can look at the headlines and go, whoa, wow. That would not be on the cover of a newspaper here, but there, it would. That's the first thing. The second thing is, what do you want them to do do you want them to just sit and like collect i don't know social security sign up for benefits you know they have to work there's still people who want to do things and i saw the documentary that uh prince harry did with oprah it's really good and it's all about mental health mental illness mental health mental illness excuse me how people deal with it all over the all over the world not all over the country it's really really good and it it's you can tell because he talks about his depression and his anxiety and his drinking and how he was self-medicating. And you can tell, at least in my opinion, that he's being genuine. Like this is, he, he, he gains nothing by exposing himself the way he does. He exposes his inner sort of fears and him dealing with mental health and depression and anxiety. That's not something that most people wanna talk about. That's not good news. So he's helping people, I believe, by doing this kind of work. And obviously he wants to get paid and work and you know do something he cares about and is, is passionate about. So I don't find fault in that. And same with Megan. You can do an interview with Oprah, again, because that is very controlled. Everything you do when those interviews happen is contractually worked out. This will not be talked about. These three things can be talked about. Or or you decide, look, Oprah can ask anything. All of that they know in advance. They know what the lighting is going to look like. They know what their outfit's going to look like. They know that it's an intimate setting with just the three of them and then the, the crew. It's very different having paparazzi chase you down the street and having dozens and dozens of newspaper covers say awful things about you and about the color and the skin tone of your baby. It's different. You can still want attention and be a good person, but not want torturous, petri dish, under a microscope attention. And I don't understand why people think it needs to be mutually exclusive. Again, it has to come down to money and the jealousy. Well, you have all the money in the world. You're a a princess and he's a, well, not a king. He's a prince. How many problems could you guys have? You know, boo hoo. You moved from the palace to a mansion in California. Boo hoo. That's what I hear. But I mean, again, if, if money and being royal bought happiness, then Princess Diana wouldn't have been bulimic for years. So many stories about all these royals living miserable lives. And so when Harry and Meghan were like, let's just go to America where we can have our sanity, but we don't mind, I mean, we're public people, let's do interviews, let's write a book, let's whatever. I don't think that's terrible. I don't think that's selfish. I don't think it's, you know, hypocritical. What would be hypocritical? is if they were always flying back and forth to um, the UK and were promoting themselves in the way that they said that they didn't want to be seen. They've stopped doing that. They only focus on their projects. You don't see anything about their kids anymore. You barely, actually the little boy was in the documentary, like the side of the back of his head. I couldn't pick him out of a lineup. You just could see like he's a little boy, like a baby, whatever, two, three years old, whatever he is. So they aren't even quote exploiting their children. I don't know, I guess. I think it bothers me because if we only look at people from a place of our own understanding, we will never understand them. And I think it bothers me because even with race, something interesting happened to me the other day where um, someone, and they shall remain nameless, but somebody asked me and they said, oh, you know, with regard to my baby, which is so weird that I get to say my baby, um, they said, oh, is she black? And I hadn't even thought about that question. I mean, I figured you'll see her when she comes out. I didn't think any, I don't know. It's not that I didn't think anybody would ask it. I just, it wasn't even in my brain. Usually I expect people to say if they didn't know, is it a girl? When is it due? You know, are you excited? Those are the standard questions, but nobody has asked me, is it black since she became real? You know, beforehand, as I said in the adoption episodes, people did ask, what's the race? And I sort of had forgotten about it because I had not been asked that question for a while. And it got me thinking because I was a little put off, but for me, I try to, especially when it comes to race, I try to understand somebody else's perspective and not just go, oh, this ignorant, how dare you ask? Even if I don't like it, which is, it's easy to just be upset and say, that's racist that you're asking, what difference does it make And you know? I try to really understand what is my reaction? Where is my reaction coming from? And what is it this person is looking for? And I don't know. I don't know what she needed to hear, why it mattered. She was curious. But, and I don't think it's wrong to be curious. But the reason I bring this story up, and side note, you know, I've always been taught you don't owe anybody any answers to any questions that you don't want to answer. And I definitely felt put on the spot and I'm like, well, I guess I'll answer. But the reason I'm bringing this up is because. For once, I got to experience what I feel white people experience. Now, bear with me. Generally speaking, when I talk to white friends or white family members, they're like, you know, black people bring up race all the time, or you hear this on the news or in podcasts. Like, I don't understand it, like we're all the same, and I don't know, I just, I don't see color, or I don't think that way, or all these things. It's just, you know, I don't understand why black people keep bringing up race. And the thing is if you're a black person it it's permeates everything it's like you know if you have a, a thing of white paint and you drop in two drops of red it turns pink it's just no longer white no matter how you stir it or mix it up it's pink and the minute you are a black person in this society your perception is based on all of these things that happen to you your history how this country perceives you etc 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 so what I usually see is that white people are like, I don't know, I just don't think about race until they have to. And I don't know that experience because I can't divorce myself from my race. I've had too many racist things happen. happen. It. It's something that happens when I go in a store. Am I being treated this way or that? I had uh, a clerk the other day say, I ordered some meat at a meat store that was kind of pricey, and he was like, oh, well, just so you know, we don't take EBT, which is the, what is it, the like, government, food money for food or something i don't even know specifically what it is i was like oh well i don't have that and he kind of looked at me and then he told me the total of the meat which was like twenty dollars he's like okay that's twenty twenty dollars i'm like okay he's like you sure i'm like yeah like he didn't believe that i could pay for that now who knows maybe he's just an asshole who knows forgive my language but as a black person you're like wow that's that, are you assuming that because I'm black, I'm poor, I can't afford this? My husband goes in there all the time. I asked him, has anybody ever asked you about that? Same guy, right? Yeah, no, he's never said that. My stepsons have bought meat from there. Never said that to them. My stepdaughter never said that to them. So things happen on a regular basis. It's not like I'm being beaten in the street or shot by a cop. I'm just talking about racial incidents. So my race is a regular thought on my brain, whereas that's not true for white people in general. My husband's like, yeah, I don't really think about being white unless it's in comparison to something. I just don't think about it. He doesn't have to, it's part of the privilege. But I bring it up because this this little story, I felt like it was flipped on its ear that I wasn't thinking about race at all. I'm just thinking baby, healthy, cute clothes, healthy. She's adorable. I saw her 3d sonogram and she's adorable, healthy. I can't wait. Like that's all I'm thinking about, like trying to get everything ready, trying to figure out the different nipple sizes and the bottle shapes and and all this stuff. And there's so many decisions and all the planning that we've had to do. And when I go there and fly out and just uh, there's been a thousand things and everybody's been asking me about the plans and how she's doing and about the birth mom. And so when somebody said to me, Is she black? I was thrown for a loop because I wasn't thinking about her race at all. And I really like that I got that experience, believe it or not, because now I can see how a white person is like, what do you mean? You know, I work at the same company and I never thought it was racist because you didn't experience that. That wasn't your life experience. You didn't have the history. You didn't have the examples to pull from. So your purview is different than mine. If you're white, (laughs) I assume a lot of my listeners are white, not all, but most. And so when we look at the Harry's and Megan's and Osaka's and anybody else, we have not walked a mile in their shoes. So why judge them in that way? You can say, I don't like them. You can say all kinds of things like, "Eh, I'm not interested. Who cares? I don't follow tennis. She's not that good. Or maybe she is good, but whatever. But I think when we judge people, especially when it comes to wanting to protect themselves, like that's what they're doing. Megan said she wanted to protect her child and her own mental health and she's being picked on because she felt suicidal. Oh, well, apparently you didn't want that kind of attention, but you wanted this. I don't think there's anything wrong with still wanting attention. She's a public person. She makes her money. She probably likes the limelight. She is an actress. If you want to pick on her for being a poor actress, go ahead and do that. I don't know if she's good or bad. I never watched her show. But I think the bigger message isn't really about, you know, Harry, or Megan, or Naomi Osaka, or even tennis, or royals, or wealth. It's about being able to step outside of your own experience. Even if you don't understand it, admitting that you don't, you know? (laughs) What's his face, he just died recently, I can't remember. Um, Don Rumsfeld, Don Rumsfeld. He was, I think he was, can't remember what his position was, secretary of something in the Bush White House, was it the NSA? I can't remember. Secretary. I can't remember. Anyway, so big time politician, high up. And he famously said, and I'm going to mess it up, but it's something along these lines. He said, you know, there are knowns and there are unknowns. There are known knowns and there are known unknowns. There are also unknown unknowns and people were like, you're nuts. That's the most bizarre quote. Like you can Google it, Don Rumsfeld, unknown knowns, quote. And it was like, he was kind of the laughing stock, but the truth is we don't know what it's like to be in each other's shoes. I will never know what it's like to be a freaking princess in Britain. With that press, what I saw, it looked terrible. At the same time, you get to ride around in these nice cars, and you have all this money, and you don't have to worry about financial things. That part's great, but she was freaking suicidal. I think that part of the issue, part of the issue in our society at its core, while we're not getting along, is because we assume that everyone thinks like us, or they don't think like us, and they should. And that includes me. You know, there's this, uh, <laughs> there's this, this one neighborhood, this one street that I drive down, So this neighborhood, um, I drive by there, maybe a few times a week. And during the election, it was like they were having a battle. Because one house on the right was like filled with like Trump flags, and military flags. And then a house like across the street and one house over was like Biden flags and American flags. And then there was another house I can't remember, but I'm pretty sure it was either. Oh, I don't honestly, I don't remember if it was Trump or Biden, but it was less flags. But it was almost like they were having this flag war. And every time I drove past the Trump house, I would just look to the left and I'm just like, oh, it would make me so angry because I'm like, you're supporting this autocrat, this racist, this scumbag. I, I just, you guys know how I feel about Donald Trump, right? Liar, grifter. And he's duping the american public that's the thing i don't like be a republican all you want but you deserve better than donald trump i have no problem with conservatives i have conservative views and some things myself i have conservative friends donald trump autocrat anyway so i would just be like i would look at the flags on the left so i could say okay biden because i just get angry and my i saw the guy once he was walking by and i had all these preconceived notions about him i'm like He'd probably be this like jerk and redneck and backward and whatever. And then I was telling my friend about it. She's like, oh my gosh. And she's Latina. And um, I try to practice my accent Latina. Um, I do know a little Spanish, not much, but un poquito. I uh, was telling her about it. And she's like, I know that street and actually know the guy. And she is an anti-Trumper as well. And she's like, Jody, I've been to his house for various meetings because he's friends with so-and-so. And, uh, he is the nicest guy, the nicest guy. And I think it's good for me to hear that because, and this was the example I even said to my friend, We can make so many assumptions about people based on their political views, based on their skin color, based on their hair color, if they're a dumb blonde or whatever, and their eye or their makeup or their clothing. And of course, you're going to judge. The idea that people shouldn't judge is just never going to happen. But I think it's good to be aware of our perspectives and our closed-minded corners, you know, or it's like, oh, okay, maybe. Think about what we are thinking, And the reason I know that I do this thing too is when I looked at that guy, Mr. Trump flag, and I assumed all these negative things, and then my friend is like, oh, but he's the nicest guy. And my assumption is if he treats her well, if she's Mexican, hopefully he would treat me well. I don't know, but I'm assuming. And maybe he just doesn't realize how bad of a person Trump is. And a lot of people were like, look, hell will have to freeze over before I vote for Hillary Clinton and I just have more conservative views, so I sort of have to vote for Trump. But the flag-waving lovers of Trump, I just can't. But maybe he is just a nice guy and just doesn't, he doesn't think about the fact that Trump is a racist because he's a white guy, it doesn't matter to him. I wish it did, but it doesn't. Racism may matter to him, but Trump doing it and being president doesn't. And the way I find myself doing the same exact thing just to prove that I'm not even just, that I I guess I am a hypocrite in many ways, is Chick-fil-A. If you ask most gay people, they say, oh, I don't eat at Chick-fil-A. The owner is a Christian right-wing nut who believes in immersion therapy, which is therapy to change gay people to straight. And he donates money to that. And so they refuse to eat at Chick-fil-A and they don't want anybody else to eat at Chick-fil-A because your money is going towards something that to them and to me as well, does not exist. And it's cruel and it's hurtful. And I agree that that immersion therapy does not work. It does not exist. And I think it is cruel and hurtful. And, but at the same time, I love Chick-fil-A. I mean, those nuggets, that lemonade, the chicken nuggets, the chicken sandwich with just pickles, like you don't even need anything. It's so good. Now I'm thinking about the damn sandwich, but it's so good that all they put on their sandwich is pickles. You don't even need like lettuce, tomatoes, onions, mayo, mustard, ketchup, nothing but pickles. And it's that good. And the waffle fries and their customer service is top notch. So yes, I am a staunch defender of gay rights. I have had gay family members and gay friends who are like family members to me. And I think it's disgusting when they are not treated fairly and equally. But I eat a Chick-fil-A. And I know a lot of gay people would call me a hypocrite for that. And that's the easy word. I'm aware that that's a thing, but I'm just eating the damn chicken nuggets. And I think some people, as hard as a bitter pill it is for me to swallow, just believe in the stuff that Trump said. And other than the racist, sexist, backward, close-minded stuff, I don't think if, if he actually said and did what he meant or did what he said and actually believed it, some of it's not terrible. Wanting America first, making America great, that stuff is that's good. Everybody wants America to be great. We can leave out the, again, I don't know what exactly we're going back to, but some of the history back in this country, I would not be uh, very happy going back to as a black person. But, you know, tax cuts and all kinds of things, like, I can't fault a person for wanting that and maybe he is the nicest, least racist person. He just voted for Trump. I am the nicest, least homophobic person. I just eat at Chick-fil-A. So we all have our own choices and decisions to make, and we all have our own perspectives. But if we can just put ourselves in somebody else's shoes and try to understand their perspective, I think our society will be better off And it'll go such a long way because then maybe the Naomi Osaka's won't have to feel like they have to hide from the press. Maybe the press could say, instead of just like, oh, you piece of garbage, spoiled brat girl, how about we work out something different for you? And people would say, well, oh, okay. So that means you have to do something different for everybody. No, just people who have to deal with anxiety. They could set it up where they say, look, we're just gonna do a press conference. And instead of the press conference taking 45 minutes, it's gonna take five hours cause you're gonna do two or three questions from you know, different media outlets at a time. And it's a smaller, more intimate setting and you don't have to feel as overwhelmed, but then you get the questions answered, whatever. You do one a day, you do what any, you could be more creative and think outside of the proverbial box instead of just jumping down her throat instead of just assuming all kinds of things about her, about Harry and Megan, because if we do it about these famous people, then you better be damn sure we are doing it about our friends, our neighbors, our family, strangers. We're always gonna judge, but maybe if we could just try to see people from their perspective, Every time I was at the gym, I used to work out in LA with this girl and she'd be like, oh my gosh, look at that one girl. And there was this girl who was so skinny, so skinny. And every single time I was there, whether I worked out with this friend or by myself, this girl was there. So that meant she lived at the gym because I would go two and three times a week and she was nonstop running on the treadmill. So my assumption was she was anorexic and my friend and I sort of felt pity for her. And again, I don't know. But that was my assumption because she was like desperate and very thin and just I don't even know how to describe it. She just oozed desperation. And I literally would say a prayer for her every time I saw her, like just silently, because I don't know what she's going through. My friend was like, damn, that girl's like an exercise addict. Or, you know, she said some kind of snide comment about her, like, you know, not to her, but about her. And that's the easy, like I said, low hanging fruit. The assumption, oh my God, gotta be skinny for Hollywood kind of thing. But We don't know, was she abused sexually, physically? We don't know. Same with people who are obese. So many times you hear people say, well, put down the fork. But it's not that simple, because if it were that simple, we would have no overweight people. It may be easy for you. Maybe it's, I like to work out. I love working out. Most people don't love working out. I love running. I'm angry that my knees are not as good as they used to, so I can't run as far as I used to. Most people are like, I only run if people are chasing me. I can't relate to that. I get that runner's high. It's just, it makes me happy. I'm listening to my music. It's like the whole world doesn't exist and I feel powerful. We're all different. Hopefully, maybe, just maybe, someday, we will start to consider that other people's experiences are not our own. And then we'll do better and understanding each other. Maybe. Well, that's what I think, anyway. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Uh-huh.